Ready? You pop your eyeball out of your head. Can't. No. <laughs> no. Don't do I it. I can't. Welcome if to. If I could, I wouldn't. It would, no, you would. You would, If you could, you would do it every day. Well, you would be like, hey, kids, watch this. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like those people who were like, I can throw, I can take my thumb and bend it all the way back, or my tongue can touch my mm-hmm. nose. Yeah. Basically, like these odd, like, I don't want to call them deformities, but I guess they actually kind of are. Because no, it's, your I, body's I was, not meant to be able to do it, but you can. Like, it's not, not, not a, deform, it's abnormal. Abnormality. Ab- Bam, abnormality. I prefer that. Yeah. 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 yeah, deformality is like my 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 head slopes or something, but like this, yeah, that's like yeah, like it's an abnormality. Like I can bend my thumb all the way back. Your body's not meant to be able to do it, but somehow you can. Um, <laughs> um welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. <laughs> uh, episode twenty five dash three, where we talking about doing wild weird things with your eyes and wild takes and folding your. Cheeks maybe into your should, tongue. Maybe we should actually say why we were talking about that. <laughs> no, like, anyway. well, we're a video, <laughs> we're a video game music podcast, which is why we talk about weird stuff. Now, we're a video game music podcast. We listen to all consoles and all generations. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. And we were talking about Animaniacs, and Pernell see, said see. he he saw somebody in the was it the nineties? I guess it was. It was like late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah, who can actually bug their eyes out like Plucky Duck. And yeah, like the yeah, idea we were talking about wild takes from crazy. those shows because that was how I mm-hmm. learned of the concept of the wild take was from Tiny Toons. Yeah, yeah. So it was like you were doing wild takes, but then their faces got one character's face got stuck in a wild take <laughs> and couldn't break out of it. It was plucky. But that's all I remember. That. <laughs> oh, it was plucky. He was he wanted to do advanced wild takes with his with his dad or his mentor. I don't know how the I don't know how the relationships worked in that show. Uh, Daff, Daffy Daffy Duck. Yeah, yeah Daffy. Duck. It was Daffy. Yeah, it was a mentor. And he's like, yeah. "You're not ready for advanced wild takes." He's like, "Sure, I am." Watch, and he does. And he's like, "Can't come out of it." <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, so as a result, I was like, I took that and coupled it with like the idea of like garbage pail kids. And was like, there was a, the closest we've ever come to someone who could actually do a real wild take was this woman who could make her eyes pop out of their sockets. Oh, and she did. And Rob Googled it and I was right. My memory wasn't faulty. It was a, it was a, oh, a nice, like nice black lady who actually got to the point where she was like coming on like, like stage doing it. Like it was, that was her, like her 15 minutes of fame. Like you're on this show. Why? Because I can make my eyes pop out. Watch. <laughs> it's like, boom. It's like, oh, well, thanks for coming on the show. Have a good night. Till next week when she does it again. I know um, the audience was like, like crazy. The audience was, was, they looked scared. They looked really, like they didn't like, they were also been prepped. Like, well, this is what's going to happen, right? You know, they're going to have, Slay's going to come out. She's really nice. She's going to say hello. And then her eyes are going to pop out of her head. And they were like, oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. that's never going to happen. The internet. <laughs> I've never seen that on the internet before. Um, there were like at least five monocles shattered during that performance. Yeah, that's what it looked like. like it was, a, but at the same time, it was like it's still like a bafflingly interesting thing. And which is funny also because I feel like when we eventually reveal it, oh, I feel like bad. that will bonk. I know, like, just hit the thing. It's, yeah. it's even relevant to the topic, but it's like I know it's it is kind of relevant. Way. That's why I was like, we'll just keep talking about this because it's kind of relevant. Um, so our topic this week and our topic next week is all about Halloween and scary or things. Horror. Horror. And now, here's- ghosts and stuff. Pernell, is that a ghost in your house or was that a bag of M&M's? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Uh, funny thing about this topic is that I, when I approached it, I did, I kind of hit a crossroads where I was like, on one hand, scary games and stuff, and I was like, but I don't really know what I want to pick. I'm kind of at a loss mm-hmm. right now. And then the other part of me was like, actual things that happen that are like, quote unquote, scary. <laughs> or horror and uh, I was like well I could base my tracks on that yeah. and then yeah I was like I'll just do half and half because I don't know <laughs> go from there have you, have you seen a horror movie lately I'll, I'll ask that honestly no like, me neither horror, horror movies I've seen thrillers like I saw that Annihilation movie for example <laughs> but like I haven't seen horror movies where something like I never really got into them because to me I always thought it was better to watch them like with a spouse or something. Mm-hmm. And since I had like that happen once in my life, I didn't really get into doing that anymore. Like I yeah. lost the interest. Well, you got really into Black Mirror for a while. I feel I like that. I feel like that's horror. Like that's like some kind of psychological horror. Yeah, but that's more thriller to me. It's like it's setting yeah. up a whole scene. There's no like real mm-hmm. jump scares. It's just here's a situation that's really messed up. <laughs> Revel in how messed up yeah. it is versus. Go into this house and get your head sliced off. Um, <laughs> I feel like to- I, I've been interested. I saw some previews. Um, we, we, I forgot I had access to this Plex server that my friends run in. And um, him and his husband are super into like scary movies. And so like, there's just tons of them on their server. And we were watching some trailers. And I'm like, some of these look pretty cool. But uh, a couple weeks ago, Christine and I were watching Hannibal. Uh, the TV show. Like Hannibal. the TV show? Yeah. Oh, it is good, dude. It is. But is it, I was like, it can't be scary. It's, it's, it's network TV. Oh, for network TV, oh my God. Uh, they may not drop an F bomb, but they show some crazy, disgusting stuff. So, he so if you're into. Fingers on Nation Network TV? Oh my God. Like, I can't even describe what happened on that show on this podcast because it was disgusting. Every, every episode, I'm like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is scary. Oh my God. Why would they show me that? <laughs> I will say for the record. And this is a guy coming from a guy who wasn't. I only read the synopsis of Silence of the Lambs. I never watched the. Ooh, movie. that's a good but, scary movie. Um, Love that movie. But, but I had a hard time picturing them being able to do an entire television series based on the concept of the whole Hannibal Lecter thing. Mm. And yet, somehow, some way, <laughs> a room of writers said, "How do we take this movie premise and stretch it into multiple seasons of episodes?" Well, the premise and of the carry movie. The story. Premise of the movie is you have this brilliant. Um, doctor, hungry psychologist, man. surgeon, who is also really hungry. yeah, but he's in jail. He's already in prison, and then that's why they he's go starving. And there's another serial killer out there, and so they go to Hannibal to understand what the killer thinks. So this whole show is like, well, what if, like, what what was his world like before he got caught? Well, what was he like? Oh, so it's, oh, it's this time when he was actually free. Yeah, and it's 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 around him, and he is a criminal psychologist. Or works with but a criminal that messes with me, and he is that scary as hell. <laughs> because then it makes me think about uh, like the reason why he never got into Better Call Saul after watching Breaking Bad, and that it was like, okay, this is a prequel. What happened when the lawyer before the lawyer got into crime? And it's mm. like, but I know he's going to get into crime. I know, like, but that's the thing though. Like, like they allude to it. They even like show it, like as flashbacks. Like, oh wait a minute, they ran, they found another body. And they're like, and they show a flashback, like, oh, yeah, it was him. <laughs> like, every, he totally hate that guy. Well, every episode, like, he's he's looking through, he's looking through recipes, and then he's looking through a rolodex of names because he needs the specific body parts, ingredients for the recipes. It's just, it's madness. So, if you're into that kind of stuff, I, I think you might like it because it's just really morbid. 
Um, but if you're anything like me, <laughs> you should watch One Piece. Um, but but what, I, I was going to say, what was the last like really scary thing I watched? Was... Oh, what was it? It wasn't that. I can't even remember. It <laughs> was like The Good Place. The Good Place. Like, that's how scary it is. Like, man, we gotta get you. We gotta up your scary. <laughs> the Good Place? The Seriously? Good Place. No, actually, no, this morning. So, this morning we found that there was a sequel to The Golden Girls. <laughs> the Golden Ladies? So, there's this. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 um, the ladies. In the in in the nineties. Oh wait, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. And the reason, the only reason I know it exists, is specifically because there was one episode where uh, Betty White's character and Blanche were talking to this like black kid, and Re- and Blanche had to acknowledge that she had some racial tendencies, like racial <laughs> tendencies from her past. Oh, and it was this whole narrative built around that. It's, oh. So it was yeah, an interesting conversation for an '80s or rather '90s yeah, show. 90s I shows, will say. I mean, I said '90s sitcoms and TV, like they were a lot more. They got it in. They were woke. <laughs> 20, <laughs> 20 years later, we are screwed. <laughs> we, are, we are bloke. That's <laughs> a, a little a little preview of our prequel episodes. So you can get on Patreon. No, um. Um, no, anyway, so they, they, they own a hotel in this one. Like, they are, they inherit a hotel somehow. And so they go to run it. Um, I only watched the beginning of the first episode. Um, Is all four, are all four of them on there, actually? No. Um, 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 what's her name? Uh, B. Arthur. B, B, B. Arthur's not in the show. She might Maybe have that's been, how they got the hotel. She might have been sick or something. But uh, So the three of them own a hotel. But guess, who, guess who's running the hotel when they get there? George Jefferson. Don Cheadle. Really? Yeah, he is funny. He is really funny. See, I can appreciate that. Don Cheadle's a good dude. He's a good dude. We watched uh, Ocean's Twelve recently, which was not a great movie, but I like Don Cheadle. He's great. He's fantastic. Um, every time I, I hear the Ocean's Twelve, like every every sequel, I got to add one new member. <laughs> I know. Well, Ocean's Thirteen. So we watched. We were on vacation. Um, we rented a beach house, and then we just we just like one day that was raining. We just stayed inside. We watched like Independence Day and a bunch of movies. And we watched Ocean's Seven, which is with Sandra Bullock and a bunch of other people. It's essentially like all of like it's like all female cast. And it was good. It was all right. It was an, it was another Ocean's movie, which meant that it was it stupid, stupid fun. It was stupid fun. That's what it was. Sorry, Billy Ocean. Bobby Ocean. <laughs> Guy, that's like, um, like, where's it called Ocean? Because the man whose last name is unfortunately Ocean. <laughs> so I, I kind of went old school on today's episode. I wanted to find some fun old stuff that I, maybe I didn't wasn't exposed to or didn't really know a whole lot about. Um I remember if, if uh, our listeners, eagle-eyed listeners, remembered uh, last week, I challenged you to um, some scary stories for this but that week. was for the Patreon, I thought. But yeah, I'm going to say let's just save it <laughs> for Patreon. <laughs> oh, good. In that case, I heard it correctly. It was totally for the <laughs> Patreon episode. Um, so let's just do that. Uh, also, um, I'm trying some new microphones and microphone placement in the studio. So if there's any... Any thumps or any any weirdness today's recording? Um, I'm it's just, a ghost. It's a ghost. That's exactly. It's the ghost of bad mic placement. <laughs> ghost of podcast future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, shout outs to the Legacy Music Hour for for finally making their Discord public. Um, 
What do you mean? It wasn't public before? No, I don't think so. And then suddenly they posted it on Facebook, and now there's like like a billion people in there making dumb jokes. Man, like I tell you, it'd, it'd be interesting to see. Like, because our our page, our Discord has people not a chatting there's like a bit more than used. Oh, well, that's not me. I wasn't even going to attempt to exaggerate it, but like we have people in there and they're chatting a little bit more on their own, which I like. Like I popped in there today mm-hmm. and saw there was a natural dialogue that happened when I wasn't there. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it'd be interesting to get to that point where it's like, it's just constant chatter. Like, I don't even know what it would take to get to that point, but it would be a trip to see. I'm on, um, I'm on a couple discords for ITG and DDR for um, like making packs of charts. And it's very, very active. And it's, I feel like discord's really good for like gaming groups and for creative groups to like collaborate really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like for this kind of stuff, like that's not even promotion. It's just like, hey, just we're doing a together. thing. We want to. You want to get a hold of me? This is a nice, fast way to do it. Um, I think it's just trade offs, though, too. Because if you have a, a group that's constantly active, then that means that when you do come on, you might have you be scrolling back quite a bit or yeah. actually missing conversation. Versus I've run if it's not up, tons active. Sure. You'll you'll just pop and go, hey, they were talking about that. I'll jump in on it. Yeah. Um, so little column A, little column B. So just like the Golden Girls, we're going to be doing a horror-themed episode. Except in this episode, <laughs> there's going to be a real murder on live podcast. No. It was Jiminy Jillikers with the, with the axe rake. <laughs> um, so this is an odd episode. We are going to start with my friend, Purnell Spooky Vaughn. Ooh, I'm a man who... <laughs> um, so I figure my first track will be I'll go with the funny the funny other element of why the track types I've chosen so okay, okay. this comes from the game Super Bomberman 2 and it is Brain Bombers Factory composed by Yasuhiko Fukuda so the Brain Bombers Factory mm-hmm. alright okay back to the Bomberman remember last last week we had a Bomberman uh, uh, track Yep, and the, but like I said, every track I picked in this half of the category is chosen for a reason. Like it's related to like a story or something. Oh, okay, cool. But these wow. aren't the made up ones. These are like real stories. You did the Highway uh, Patrol. Wow, you thought about this way more than I did. <laughs> and you get that kind of content every week on Rhythm and Pixels. <laughs> get a guy who drinks hoppy tea and Deer Park flavored water.
Yeah, that was awesome. That last section was so cool. Welcome back. You are listening to Brain Bombers Factory from the game Super Bomberman 2 on the Super Nintendo, composed by Yasuhiko Fukuda. That is um, an advanced piece of music. That is really interesting. I really liked that. Like, every section of that was so... It had so much interest. That was mm-hmm, so like, cool. Like, I liked all of the music in Super Bomberman 2. Um, so, like, in a sense, like, I liked all of it. But something about this track mm-hmm. was the one that resonated the most with me in the soundtrack outside of the battle themes. Um, it's just fantastic. And the funniest thing is that... Uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the track that it still kind of has a sort of... Like, it could still have a little bit of a spookiness vibe to it outside of anything Yeah, something else. about, it's like, that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do is kind of like a fun, like, oh, werewolves chasing the Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like... I was doing, like, a like, Scooby-Doo, like, running situation. Oh, the chasing. Oh, yeah. For the record, I'm just going to point that out. This is a good opportunity to mention on the show that Purnell has always been a sucker for chasing so we are you learned this episode that i like wild takes mm-hmm. and now you learn that i'm a big fan for scooby-doo chasing you know like, yes, like, a, like a long it. hallway a- with like a bunch of doors and like i walk out of one i look out one door and you're looking at another door and we look at each other and we go oh my god and we close the doors and then and that's the and then suddenly i'm in another door and i open it and you look at another one and then there's it's like, like texas chainsaw massacre man he looks at me and we go oh my god and we close the door and of course, then the best part, of course, you open the one door and it's like, we look, I look up and you're up there and then you look up and the chainsaw guy's above you like, ah, we freak out and just run back at the door. Yeah. It's like, but then the best part is like, then you take a pup named Scooby-Doo, which combines chase scenes with wild takes and you got bliss. You got absolute pup bliss. Pup named Scooby-Doo. Like that was a whole, there was a whole series of cartoons that were all about like, let's make the cartoons like kids. But that was, I like pup named Scooby-Doo was funny. That was the one with um um uh, Red Herring. Yes, which I like as a kid, character. I, didn't get that. I did not Harry. get it. I hate the fact that as a child, I did not get. Oh that. no! I didn't get it till like it wasn't until like right after the show ended. I was like, wait a minute, red herring. Oh, jeez. It like, wasn't him. It was red herring. <laughs> like it wasn't me. It wasn't me, Jones. And then the one episode where it was him, he had made a promise where he wouldn't. He wouldn't blame red herring for mm. the crime. But like, I think I, I remember that one. <laughs> I loved that show, and I still listen to all the chase scene music on YouTube because thanks to YouTube, mm-hmm. everything lives on oh, forever. I think didn't weren't, weren't didn't each like chase scene had like its own theme song? Yeah, every chase scene had its own. Theme That's song. awesome. And then after that, you would get um like and like the only thing that made it sad was like some of like in the earlier shows. I say that was a big running theme for a lot of shows back then. Like they mm-hmm. would have like chase music. Or, yeah. like, uh, just general music scene. Like, the Mario Brothers cartoons used to have licensed music. Oh, which sucks yeah, now yeah. because, you know, when they started releasing them all on DVD, they didn't have the rights to the licensed music. So they just play this generic crap music over every chase scene. Like, did, that just takes the personality out. <laughs> they did that with, um, when they released Beavis and Butthead, um, on DVD because, like, they would show, they could show, like, the skits and, like, the cartoons they did. But, like, like eighty percent of that show is just Beavis and Butthead oh, watching like MTV music videos and making fun of them. Yeah, and, so, and they said they couldn't do that. It's not Beavis and Butthead. It's like without that, it's not Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. And without the music in those chase scenes, fortunately, those scenes were so minor to the overall show's you know joy 
that it didn't take from it mm-hmm. as far as like ruin it, but it still was enough where you're like, man, it sucks. I wish that chase scene was still, yeah. you know, in its own right. Because I remember they had like a weird version of Great Balls of Fire where the Cooper kids were singing. <laughs> I remember now that. Just, yeah. Now it's just like. You know what? Now I, I think I remember um, you telling me about that more than I remember watching it. And now it's like a real thing in my head. Like you've like incepted that thought <laughs> into my brain. Just be glad you don't have it as bad as me. I can still sing some of the songs. I remember they did Walk Like an Egyptian. I'm pretty sure. They did. They absolutely did. You're like, and oh, yes, the episode- oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> it was the episode where the mummy was trying to marry Mario. And I assure and you, this trying- is not a dream. <laughs> yep, they were they were trying to save Mario from a mummy in Desert Land, and it was chasing them, and the song for that episode was Walk Like... Oh, no, no, take that back. That was a different episode, funny enough. There was just an episode in general where they were like, trying to run from, like, Phantos and mess in, like, <laughs> Super Show episodes, and they play Walk Like an Egyptian on there. But, well, yeah, I rem- crap, I remember all of this. I didn't even get to the reason I picked the Barman track yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I kind of, like, like just took you on a ride. No, I, I know, took you for a ride. Was- Take for a ride. It was a good ride. All right. So what's the, I, what's the I, story around the bomber factory? The brain, the brain bombers, bomberman to SNES factory man thing. So once upon a time, in a land far down the street, there was a young man who <laughs> had it all. He had a wife. He had kids. Games as far as the eye could see. And unfortunately, he also had something called hubris. <laughs> believed that he was capable of winning at every game, any game, at any time. I think I know this man. You do know this man. And then one day, an individual showed up. A particularly modest individual. He didn't want to talk a mean game. He just wanted to hang out with some friends and play some games. And just have a good time of it all. Mm. And then at one point, the friend asked his other friend, the one with the hubris, to play <laughs> a little game called Super Bomberman 2. Not because he wanted to win or anything, but simply because he thinks Bomberman is fun and he loves playing games with his friends. Mm. Well, the poor young lad felt extra confident in his ability to defeat the casual, relaxed gent, and he decides he wants to make it a little more interesting. He wants to throw some stakes on the Barbie. So, of course, the modest young man said, I do like raising stakes myself, but I'm going to warn you, this is not the game you want to do that in. Mm-hmm. Because I am I'm not to be that guy, but I'm notoriously good at Barman. <laughs> not the hubris man, because the hubris man not, would say something like that. Yes, of course he would. Of course, but not the other guy. <laughs> so, so, of course, the friend goes, nah, nah, I'm not going to lose to you. Whatever. What's going to happen? So, an individual shows up at the house that same evening, not too prior, not too soon before the game. And they happen to have ghost pepper gumballs. They were not all for talk. These weren't... These weren't your Popeye's ghost pepper wings, by the way. This was the real deal. Mm. Straight out of some guy's backyard. So, it was a dangerous venture. And the bet was on. Loser has to chew two gumballs of ghost pepper hotness, and you can't spit it out. No cooling liquids. Of course, the young man felt confident at first. He came in. He got a good two wins off. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I got this. I'm going to take you. You're going to be eating that hot gum. And I was like... No, no, I'm telling you. I'm just rusty. Don't, don't. <laughs> By the way, the other guy was me. So, <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, no. I was like, well, man, I'm just like you know, you, uh, don't, don't count your chickens before they hatch because I'm not eating hot gum. 
I'm, if there's a bet on it, I'm not going to be the guy that loses. I'm not going to make a bet like this and expect to lose it. So, of course, mm. yeah. I then got a, a complete streak of like five wins in a row. Yeah. Because I wasn't eating that gum. Because you're a bomber man like, like Savant. Like, how do you even play? We played this like on a live stream last year and it was insane. Yes. I don't know how you do it. I went to a tournament against a 10-player Bomberman, having never played 10-player Bomberman before. It just like wrecked house to the point where the announcer was like, Who is that guy? I like, I like, I like your him. scary story is like, I'm so good at Bomberman. No, no. One guy one time told me he was really good, and no. I said, no, you're not, and I beat no. him. <laughs> no, the scary part is the fact that he had to eat the gum. <laughs> Uh, That's the fear. It's a lesson, Rob. It's a lesson. It's a lesson not to challenge you at Bomberman. <laughs> no, it's not to count your chickens before they've hatched. Hot gum. It's bad hot gum. No, horror movies don't have lessons like that. It's like don't yeah, have, they do. It's like don't have premarital sex or don't drink. Don't drink of too much, or you know. Don't. When you hear creepy crap in a basement that isn't in your house, <laughs> how about not going down there? Don't go into the creepy basement. That's not your house. If your, anything, your, your I neighbor feel like hard is movies. probably not a serial killer. Don't investigate on your own. Call the police. Call the police. If anything, horror movies are riddled with lessons. <laughs> riddled with them. It's all over. Watch a night. Friday the 13th, don't go to Crystal Lake. There you go. There's your lesson right like there. Like in the movie Scream, when, when, um, when she calls um, the police because there's a murderer in her house, she's it's a lesson how to use the phone properly. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the buttons one at a time. <laughs> don't, use, don't, use your, don't use your girlfriend's genuine concerns and fears as an excuse to have intercourse because it's just not <laughs> yeah, smart. No, bad, Actually bad, take bad. her seriously and leave. Yeah, bad. Leave the vicinity. Please. It's bad form, and you will get stabbed with a pitchfork All right. port. All right, here we go. We're going to get into something a little lighter here. This is called Hell House. Ah! Thank you. It's from the game Spl <laughs> uh, Splatterhouse One Paku Graffiti, also known as Splatterhouse Super Deformed, for the Famicom family computer system. And the track is called Hell House. And I don't. Ah! <laughs> Thank you. I don't have a composer for this. Listening to Hell House <laughs> from the game. Thank you from the game Splatterhouse One Paku Graffiti for the Famicom. Oh, this is the one where they were like the super deformed, like chibi, not super deformed, but they were chibi characters. Yeah, so it's it's um, a Splatterhouse game. So um, and Splatterhouse, which honestly, like the titles of these games are way more graphic than the games themselves. 
um, but you're uh, you're it's a beat 'em up game. You're a guy trapped in a mansion, and there's demons and like stupid, uh, uh, you know the 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 the, the monster movie Sweet. tropes, vampires and Frankenstein's coming after you. But you put on a a mask that turns you into a super overpowered, essentially Jason Voorhees monster, and you fight off bad guys. And keep in mind, he, it is a hockey mask you put on. Oh, it is a hockey mask. But although in America, I think they changed it into like a skull, like a skull mask. Now there was a there was a, a Splatterhouse remake in 2010 for the Xbox, but it, that was like over like the top bloody and probably had a whole bunch of bad new metal music in the background. But I don't I don't know anything about that. All I know is the arcade game, the Turbo Graphics game, and a little bit about this little Famicom game where you play super cute little Jason Voorhees. Stabbing monsters with your little knife. <laughs> just yeah, honestly, I feel like the Turbo Graphics version. I think there was a Splatterhouse two also. On yeah, the, uh, there was know. a one, two, three, and then this weird chibi version for the Famicom. Like those, like but Splatterhouse and the Turbo Graphics was the way I like it. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be you know gory and grotesque. I like the cartoon goo and cartoon blood of this concept. Yeah, of game I thought so too. Like I, that's why I kind of like about a lot of this stuff is is uh, is it's it's not like it's self referential. I feel like if you watch a horror movie, not all horror movies, but some horror movies and some comedies nowadays, there's a lot of self referential humor. It's kind of poking fun at its own genres and poking ho- holes at its old tropes that may be sexist or racist. Um, but stuff like this, I feel like, falls into a weird place where it's during the time these things were made. But at the same time, it's trying to make it silly for kids. So it's like in between. I don't know. Well, I mean, I will admit, like, for all the re- all the tropes that do pop up, the one that I typically tend to knock on or comment on the most specifically because I like to see it get, you know, you know, put on, flipped on his head is the black person always dies first. Yeah. And that whenever they don't or they do something smart, I actually cheer. Like, I don't, this isn't me just being like, oh, what do you know? He didn't die. It's more like me going, yes, <laughs> yes, you let those fools die. They're going to the basement, but you're getting in your car because no knucklehead worth their salt's going to go to that basement. But that's where the curse is. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't need to lift no curse. I need to go home, call a paranormal expert, let him lift the curse. I got time for this. <laughs> I want to go home. I want to go home. I got some hot wings in the cellar. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat them at home. <laughs> got hot wings in the cellar. I will, I will not be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I got hot cauliflower in the attic. Hot cauliflower. I was, I was just gonna be like, yeah, that's fine. I, that's just not. That's just not me. <laughs> um, no, there was a there was a there was a horror movie um, that was like this. It was uh, Josh Whedon, I think, wrote it. Oh, um, huh. well, you mean like where like the what, what movie now? Uh, the Cabin in the Woods. Have you seen this one? Oh, oh, oh that was one of the best movies I've ever seen, and I yeah. have no shame saying it. The whole thing was flipping the tropes on their heads. Like, that was the whole point of the movie. Yeah, like, so well, let's not give away anything to our listeners who haven't seen the movie. But if you're looking Just for go see it. something that starts out as a scary movie and then ends up as as like a commu- an episode of Community, <laughs> like super but meta. But still scary, honestly. Still scary. It's still scary. Um, but then, like, also, like, f- like, plays around with the tropes of, like, you know, the jock trying to save the day. Don't say too much. Yeah, it's good. You're it's- already saying too much. Am I already saying too much? Yes, cabin. There's a cabin in the woods, and kids go. Yeah, watch it. Go it's watch great. it. It's weird. It's really weird, and it's a lot of fun. Go see that. Go see that. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so... That's what we should just call this episode. Rhythm and Pixels episode... Promotion for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the Rhythm and Pixels episode promotion for the Golden, Girl, Golden Girls reboot of the 1990s. <laughs> A little bit of both. On Lifetime. Lifetime television. <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad I could bring a smile to your face tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pernell, what's your uh, what's your next track? All right, so the next track comes from an <laughs> NES game, but I swear up and down I picked it on the show, but again, I couldn't find it, which means it's fair game. Fair game. Um, this is Elm Street from the game A Nightmare on Elm Street on the NES. Oh. It's composed by David Wise. Okay, so now this is one. This is an example <laughs> of, of one of these, like, terrifying, gory horror movies but made for kids. Like yeah, kids can play. LJN <laughs> published it. I don't get it. <laughs> back you're listening to elm street from a nightmare on elm street on the nes composed by the legendary david wise that's a uh, i mean you can tell I me mean, you can tell a david wise track somehow it's the way he he has these these chord progressions the the something about it like if you think of battle toads you can think of this track you know it's really clear it's really good and it's funny because you made the comment earlier about you know, how um you know this is a horror horror movie Turn into a game yes. for kids. For kids. But the funny, but the funny thing about Nightmare on Elm Street, at least Nightmare on Elm Street, though, I guess in a sense, I guess it covers the whole bank. So, um, when I was a kid, uh, there wasn't as even though the rating system existed, there wasn't a ton of restrictions on what I could and could not watch. Right. So essentially, horror movies, fair game, and I watched a whole lot of them back then. Um, but I feel like, particularly with Nightmare on Elm Street, they kind of banked on that. Mm. Because uh, for those in the know or not in the know, I guess because if you were in the know, you'd already know this. Ha <laughs> um, The original Nightmare on Elm Street was done in a way where Robert England was Freddy Krueger. He portrayed him in a very scary way. The entire atmosphere of the film was grim, dark, mm-hmm. not pleasant in the least. Yeah. But then from the second movie on, though not so much in the second, it got really big time in the third. But he started to in the second. He became more of a person who did wisecracks and jokes. Yeah, so people started like kind of cheering on the bad guy. They're like, "Oh, he's funny." 
Oh yeah, like you didn't. Don't get me wrong. You didn't want Frey to win. No. But you looked forward to how he was going to get people because you wanted to hear how he would make cracks about it. Like, and of course, as the series went on, he got goofier and goofier till we had the you know obvious most notorious scene where he kills the kid while wearing a Nintendo Power Glove. Um, and he was like, now I'm playing with power, um, which was freaking absurd, but they did it. Um, but back then they just kept injecting more and more goofy humor to his kills to where it was like, it's almost like they expected kids to be like, oh, Freddy's hilarious. Or the alternative being, well, I guess not the alternative, but the alternate reason being like, if kids are going to watch this movie, we want to at least give them some laughs so you don't actually leave the film theater traumatized. So we're just like, well, Freddy kills, but he makes you laugh as he's doing it. So it's not so bad. Go to that's, sleep, That's kid. kind of what happened. Like, right, the um, uh, like the movies, like a lot of these movies start out to be scary. But then as they make more and more sequels, the people are like, oh, well, it's, you know, people like it. It's, it's funny. People want something silly to happen. Um, and so they I did. Like Halloween, I feel like Halloween may have been one of the few that bucked that trend. Like, I can't think of too many Halloween movies that were like, here's some silly stuff. Except for the fact that, well, that Michael Myers existed at all. Well, I'll say but, this. Uh, I've never watched a, I've never watched a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I've never watched... Any of them? Never. Any, and any of them. Any of them. Oh, my I've God. I've never seen watch uh, the third one. Friday the 13th. I've only one I've ever seen was Jason X, where Jason is in space. Oh, and, that's the most absurd one by and far. And I was under the influence of some recreational things, and it was a good time. And so I don't remember much about that, except that it was really dumb. The um, only thing I remember, yeah, I didn't well, see it, but my brother told me about a particular scene that to, that pretty much cemented the absurdity, aside from just the plot. There was a scene where, well, for the record, Jason was on a space like a space station, because of course yeah, he was. Yeah, of course he was. And <laughs> they were trying to get away from him. They're like, what do we do to distract him? So they had him in a holodeck, and they set the holodeck to replicate Crystal Lake. Yeah. And he just went on this killing spree, killing holographic tees in like the most absurd ways, and he was like having the time of his life. And you're just watching this, and like rather I wasn't, but it was explained to me. I'm like, I can't imagine watching this and not laughing my behind off. Like I can't not because <laughs> it's absurd. But yeah. as for you saying you've never watched a Nightmare on Elm Street, I would say even in the present, even in the present day, watch the third one at least. Third one, maybe the fourth. Yeah, um, the first one if you want just to get the layout of this is Freddy Krueger. Though you don't need to learn much about him. Did they like? Did they like reboot the killed. series or like they changed the lore like later on? They tried it. They tried it. They did it. They did reboot it once. Okay. Um, and the reboot was not so much changing the lore so much as they made it so that the lore was real. Like, it took place in the real world and the stars were the actual actors of the films. Oh, interesting. But it turned out that the lore was actually coming to life and killing the actors. So <laughs> okay, I like whether that. Whether or not That's it was very good or not. Like, I don't know if it was good or not, because I stopped at, you know, the sixth movie, and I was like, I don't know if I want to, I don't need a reboot. I liked it as it was. But, um, and also because that one, they were trying to go back to the scary Freddy Krueger and not the comical slapstick one. And I prefer slapstick Krueger. Okay, so would you go uh, back and watch, like, we were talking at the beginning of the show that, like, you haven't really seen, like, scary movies recently. Would, would, is it because you don't consider these to be, like, scary movies? Or, or like, have you just, have, have you, have you, have, like, when was the last time you've gone back to watch any of these? Well... To me, I haven't gone back to watch him in a while, but I have had moments where I like I get nostalgia for like, how did Freddy kill that one person? Or I remember that scene where the girl was trapped in a roach motel. Did that happen? And I'll YouTube. How did oh my Freddy god, they're, they're used to kill that kid. <laughs> oh, let me stop look that up it. on YouTube real quick. I can't help. Hey, that hey, that's how it went down, man. Freddy did it. Like there was, but um, so like I would do stuff like that. But for the most part, like I said earlier, like 
I look at horror movies being more like a date night thing or a couples mm, thing. Yeah, but yeah. but for me myself, I'm like a thriller guy. Like I like watching films where there's a mystery mm-hmm. and people are trying to solve it. And if there's actually horror and stuff in it, I'm fine with it. But mm-hmm. I want the mystery. I want the what's going on. Yeah. yeah. We gotta dissolve we gotta solve this problem. Have you seen and, uh, uh there's the one called Oculus? It's about a mirror. I have n- I have not, though I need to. Funny enough, fun that fact. That one will mess with your brain. A, you would a friend like of it. a friend directed that film, and one of my friends was oh. actually in it. Yeah, it's um, it's. Cra- he had a bit role, though. He was just like a cop at the oh, end. Oh, like, I think we talked about this ages ago. Yeah, when, when it was out. You were like, oh, yeah, another guy directed it. The, um, it's, uh, it's, it's really, like, it's not, like, like, uh, um, a special effects-wise, it's not, it's not, um, impressive in that way because it doesn't need to be it's just so effective in screwing with your brain in a really terrifying way and that, I'll that tell you the one thing I heard about it that made me almost kind of cringe the thought of watching it mm. which is the, apparently it was a scene where a character bites an apple and it turns out they were biting into a light bulb oh yes and I'm like, like oh god that sounds horrible it's all about changing like your perception and so they don't know if they're in the house or if they're somewhere else and it, it's it in it, it, it and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse of what they think is real, what they, what they don't think and is real. By the end of the movie, you, you don't know what's real, and the movie is over, and and you're like, I need to unpack this. I can't. <laughs> I this, don't know what I'm thinking. Is this about dreidel it. still spinning? Is the top still spinning? I need to know. Yeah, it's like it's it's really good. It's really good in a very like terrifying way. So, um, so my next track, I'm gonna do this one. This is from the game uh, Cannon Spike for the Dreamcast, also known as Gun Spike. This, tra- this track is called The Unholy Dwelling, or Stage B, for the Sega Dreamcast. Okay, yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the the unholy dwelling from Cannon Spike or Gun, Gun Spike for the Sega Dreamcast, composed by Masaki Izutani, Toshia Kobayashi, Kaori Kumakura, and Kensuke Sato. This is a a bunch of Capcom properties uh, mashed together. A whole bunch of anemic dogs. Yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of dogs. It's a it's a cap, bunch of Capcom properties within a game that's pre, that's that's uh, I think that was that was created by or directed by was a Psychosis. What's that company called? It does all the shooters. So, oh, um, Sikio or Sikio, yeah, Sikio. But then all th- and then and then and then it was released on a Sega <laughs> on a Sega platform. So there's a lot of things happening here. Um, and, and, and not most least of all is a bunch of dogs, um, anemic uh, dogs, a bunch of weird dogs. Yeah. All barking and howling, but they're very it gets, anemic. It gets really exciting. Super, super duper exciting. 
it gets quiet. Oh, <laughs> that weird little trumpet sound down. kills me. And then some cool drums. And then right here. Yeah. I just picture someone being like, you turn that crap off! Like, okay. But people are still firing guns in the mess, which is what makes it that much funnier. Uh, the guns don't bother, but the trumpets do. That's the true horror. <laughs> it's like the, the, the crickets, the cricket sound. It's where like you tell like a bad joke and it's just the crickets. <laughs> it's just the crickets playing. I'll be here all week, folks. Yeah. Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> do, 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 do. But like, yeah, Cannon Spike was a good one. Yeah. Liked it a lot. Just Cannon, didn't get Cannon Spike was a great so game. Cool. It's too bad that there weren't any real cannons in the game. Oh, Spike! <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody! <laughs> Tip your waiters and marching! <laughs> oh my god, I got that. Jesus, that was a terrible joke in a good way. <laughs> oh my god. But like, it's. I don't know, like, I, I, I'm having trouble picturing that in the game, and I even know the stage it plays yeah, on. Yeah, I know. It's just like. I, I guess all the gunfire drowns it out. Yeah, I guess it's just like in a game called Cannon Spike. There sure is a lot of Capcom characters. <laughs> How about you just take that and hold on to it for the future? If I tell like a legitimately bad joke, you I'm just gonna, slap that in there. I'm gonna stick this on my phone, and then like when your your joke actually gets funny, it's gonna go. Doo -doo -doo. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that is ridiculous. Uh, oh, but like yeah, honestly, I think that's a good choice though, because that level definitely nailed atmosphere down. Oh yeah, I mean, it was an action-based game, yeah. but the atmosphere was down. Um, and even the boss for that was like a grotesque zombie beast mm. monster thing, like a gooey one even. Yeah, there's a oh, lot of gooey. things happening in this game. It was like every like weird like video game trope you could think of. It all like stuck together, like you know the robots and zombies and things like that. But it was just a fun shooter, you know, on, on the on the Dreamcast with a lot of uh, memorable characters, Cammy, King Arthur, I think a. Uh, wasn't um uh, Charlie Cammy Queen Arthur? Hmm. I was joking. You say Cammy Arthur. Say King Cammy Queen Arthur. <laughs> uh, B Arthur. B Arthur's in this game. B Arthur. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Be uh, Mega Betty Man, White. Mega Lad. <laughs> BB Hood is Betty White. <laughs> oh God, that'd be that would be a wonderful thing. Honestly, I use BB Hood all the time. Like her and Mega Man. So I was Mega Man's good. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we are on to your next track, Prunel. This is actually from a game that I've known about for years, but actually never played. This probably would have been fitting for the whole idea of like first plays episode, but I feel like it's almost cheating because I already heard of it prior to that. And hmm. I tend to play games I've even I'm looking pretty much looking into for that episode. But this game is called Haunting, starring Polter Guy. Oh, I remember for this the Sega Genesis, and this is the dungeon theme from that game, composed by Tony Tony Berkeley. Michael Bartlow and Don Vega, or Vika, however you want to pronounce it. He's famous. Love him. Swinging Don Vega. <laughs> little you know bit of poltergeist in my life. <laughs> Don Vega by my side.
Welcome back. You're listening to the dungeon theme from the game Haunting. I think it's actually The Haunting, starring Poltergeist. For the Sega Genesis, composed by Tony Berkeley, Michael Bartlow, and Don Vecca. Or Vecca. Vika. <laughs> Swinging Don Vika! I know his name. Um, so, I've never played this game, but I was always intrigued by it because I like the idea of the premise, being that you're actually a poltergeist and you're not physically assaulting any of these you know, people inside your home or anything. Instead, you're freaking them out and making them leave by possessing furniture. So much so that we even, like, heck, we were come up with a board game based around the concept <laughs> at one point. Um, but, yeah, so I like the idea of like strategically possessing objects and freaking people out so much that they leave the house in terror. Um, the closest yeah. I've come to this game in the other styles is probably... Uh, the, the, what is that game? The freaking... Uh, Crap, I can't remember the Deception. name of it. Deception, thank you, thank yeah. you. That's actually it. Deception, where you're actually laying traps for them, but you're physically assaulting them with the traps. Mm-hmm. So it's still not quite the same, but close. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's a lot like that. The, But, like, the game is, is old-school isometric view, so it's like you're playing The Sims, but you're playing The, you're playing the Sims backwards, you know? <laughs> you're trying to keep <laughs> you want them, them out of the house. Trying to drive them all out of the house. I think it's right, really this funny. No one in the pool. Everybody out of the pool. <laughs> no babies in this house because I'm going to make the bed smash into the ceiling. Oh, man. This is an aggressive track. It's aggressively loud. <laughs> it's the dungeon theme. It has to be. It just this plays the whole time. I guess, I mean, the dungeon. I mean, it's like you're in a dining room, not in a dungeon, right? I actually wonder about that. The fact that it's called the dungeon theme makes me wonder if this house actually has a dungeon, which in and of itself would make me wonder why these people would want to own it in the first place. You don't have... It's hard to say. I don't want a dungeon, but if my house happened to somehow come with one, I'd question why it was there, but then be like, I got a dungeon in my basement. That's bizarre and cool. Uh, I know. It's like a sucker that you have to like... you You have to pay a bunch of contractors to build the dungeon for you because... You know, they didn't, they stopped, you know, you need one. Actually, it'd be even worse if it was like it was a half-completed dungeon. You're like, well, crap, man, I can't just leave it undone. I have to finish it. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just this weird-looking amalgamation of a cellar. You're looking for a house, and it's like, okay, it's got, well, three three bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms, one and a half dungeons. And you're like, okay. <laughs> wait, 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 what? What? <laughs> well, funny story, actually. They ran out of money. <laughs> They couldn't afford the contractors. They just kind of let it go. <laughs> and you just walk downstairs, and it's just like half of it is just like the washer dryer, and the other half is ding, 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 ding. This is I was trying to do the music from this game. Um, but no, that's, that's fine. All right, so uh, my last track for now is from the game Ghost Chaser Densei for the Super Famicom, composed by Noboru Yamane. And this is the staff role music. This is like my... My, my final track. So I hope you dig it. The staff roll from Ghost Chaser Densei. Ghost, Ghost Chasers! You'll get caught up in the...
Yes, it does have an ending. Excellent. <laughs> that was the staff roll from Ghost Chaser Densei for the Super Famicom, composed by Noboru Yamane. <laughs> it's pretty heavy. I like that a lot. Yeah, the um, that was my jam. It's this is a cool beat 'em up. It's it's got some interesting characters in it, um, but it's got like a lot of like the Japanese like mysticism, like demons and stuff. It's it's really neat. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun beat 'em ups on the Super Nintendo. I mean, there's a lot of them that aren't really great, but they're still fun to play. You know. I mean, the funny thing about beat 'em ups is I always find it funny that we even have thoughts on like what's a great beat 'em up, what's not a great <laughs> beat 'em up, because. Don't get me wrong, there are genuine things that make them that. I couldn't really particularly tell you what those things are. Yeah. Because when you really lay on the table, most beat-em-ups in the 90s really boiled down to a punch button, a jump, a jump kick, and a special move that cleared the people around you on both sides. But it also drained some of your health. Yeah, um, that balanced it somewhere. I'm saying, like, like, there's just some pacing, you know? Like, sometimes, like, there's too many things on the screen, enemies take too long, and it's too slow... But even with like some of the slow stuff, like you, you know, you're a kid and you're just bored and you're you have and it's two player, especially if it's two player, then it's fun. You know, you're just doing but here's it. where it gets me though. So for example, there's a guy that I know who recently came out and said he hated like like really hated Streets of Rage Four. Right okay. now, that same day, I went and saw my brother, mm-hmm. and he was playing Streets of Rage Four when I walked into his room. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, he's like, I've beaten this game every way, which way, from here to Sunday. This game is fantastic. It's oh. all I play. And I'm like, it's kind of funny because I had this other guy tell me how he hated it. And I'm watching my brother play the game. I'm like, this is pretty much every Streets of Rage game, <laughs> except you can't run unless you're Cherry. Um, so I was like, what's there to like Streets of Rage 2 for? Which, for the record, I just realized, Drew's Race 2, you couldn't run either, unless you were skate. That's so, right. Yeah, the game go. the game was no fun unless you were skate. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, so what is different yeah. about 4 that you'd hate it, but you'd still like 2? Because they do, they hit all the notes. Like, they hit the same enemy types. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got, yeah, if anything, they added to it with the star moves and junk. But, like, in the end, it's like... It's not one of the things like so much that I'm berating, I'm berating someone's taste because we all like different stuff. It's more of a confusion element because, like, if you were to say, Pernod, why do you like fighting raids so much? I could tell you why I like it so much. But by that same token, if it didn't have those specific elements, I can't imagine disliking it. It would just be, I like it about as much as any other beat em up. But if you ask me also, why do you hate, like, Raging Justice, which is a beat em up on, like, like, the Switch? I could easily tell you why I hate it, because it's jank. But, again, I could explain it, but if it didn't have that specific element, it would play just like any other beat-em-up. It's just aesthetically, it's just, I don't like the aesthetics. It looks terrible. Hmm. Um, it, it's like The best way to describe it, it looks like you're playing Pit Fighter. <laughs> Get, oh, remember that that's, game? Yeah, that's not a throwback you want to go back to. That's, exactly. not, something you, that's not something you want to throw back to at all. <laughs> not in the slightest. I wanted to ask this before we move on, because I know that the whole you know, transition's coming, but I don't want to forget it. <laughs> yeah, what's so, up? So, what... If you were to think about horror movies, because that's the topic for the episode. Sure. If you were to think about horror movies, what would be a horror trope or a horror predicament that would scare you the most? As in to say, you would probably lose your crap because of the just the sheer horror of it, or just 
whatever your whatever your conditions are, I just say the worst part should uh, be. Yeah, I'm trying. Try, what what has scared me the most? The um the ghosts ghosts don't don't do it for me, like the supernatural type element. But at the same time, I'm not into like those types of movies that are just um, home invasion, terrible, gory story stuff like that. I think what gets me is probably that that really horrible mix of supernatural and just enough realism to it where um, again like uh, Oculus where you're, you're losing your mind and you don't know what's real anymore um, mm-hmm. I think that I think that gets me the most um, anything that's uh, nightmare like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, but it's just horrifying imagery that sort of um, comes together um, uh, what was what was one I was thinking of that, that did that a lot um, oh, um, uh, Kubrick. It's another Kubrick movie. Um, had Jack Nicholson in it. The Shining. The Shining. The Shining terrifies me. It's something about that, like that, that. It, on its own, the movie is not. It's not. It's not the scariest thing in the world. But the way it's done, the way it's like a nightmare, is just. It just really, really gets me. That's a scary movie. So that's that's what does it for me. Like, like psychological terror. Okay, yeah. I can give you that. What about you? What, what, what gets you? Believe it or not, I didn't even go that far. Psychological terror would definitely probably be up there for me. I was thinking more like uh, like specific like horror movie scenarios. Oh, oh, like, like for actual, example, like storyline like, type thing. Yeah, like for oh. example, even though we joked earlier about how Freddy Krueger was kind of played out to be hilarious, <laughs> I always kind of felt that his situation was probably one of the scariest ones you could find yourself in, specifically because you can't not sleep. And yeah. What really is power in dreams? Like, mm-hmm. what do you? I mean, like they the movies do their own thing. Then you know, do like some real like weird lore. Like you can bring weapons into your dreams or pull them out of the dream. <laughs> but really, in reality, here as far as just like how dreams work, mm-hmm. you have no control over any of that. Right. I've been trying to control my dreams for years. Can't do it. Um. So in the end, you're just like. Freddy's in there, and when I go to bed, I'm going to have to deal with him. But I'm barely conscious of my actions in my dreams, so who the heck knows if I'm even going to win or not? That's right. I think that's what it, I think it's very like like similar. You know, it's um uh, the, the kind of fear that you can't escape. You know, mm-hmm. um, like Jason. I feel like I feel like my Michael Myers was another one like the him, and even kind of Jason because when you lay on the table with those guys, if you find yourself in a situation where they are coming after you. You can't outrun them because they teleport. Well, that's, you can't hurt them because yeah. they're borderline invulnerable. Well, that's what scared me so much about the movie It Follows, because you can't. It's just always coming after you. And there's think about It Follows that got me though, which is why I was able to like be like, I don't feel so bad about this. Like, it's a situation where you have to put yourself in it, and good luck with that. Uh, well, I know like that, but case, like you would if never you're be in that this. situation, if you're there, oh, that's true. you know, it's not yeah. like oh, I have to be there in the first place. No, if you're there and it's coming after you, like the that way they the way they built that that world where it's just nonstop, but it's very specifically walking in a straight line towards you forever. You know, it's just I will I will give you that I do agree with that concept in regards to like I was able to rationalize the way, but if I didn't have that rationale, yeah, yeah. it would be terrifying because the movie sets it up so that you can you truly never get rid of it. No, never. Never. It never goes away. So it's like you're worried your entire life. Like you can survive it, yes. But there's it's not so much of the surviving it 
so yeah. much as the constant fear is it around is that guy the thing where i know that's why i love i love the way the movie ended and i won't give that away but i love the way the characters figured it out you know and they didn't even figure it out they're just like accepting it you know it's it's amazing they're, they're giving it away it's amazing it's when the whole scene with where they 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 they, they, let, they got the grenades and they blow up the monster it's nuts Way to just spoil the ending, Rob. <laughs> None of that happened. No, it's really crazy. It's I, I, I love that, that that type of like scariness. But let's um let's turn the scary down for now. You know you know that you know that was coming. Yeah, I did coming at it's been coming at you for a whole hour. <laughs> All right, yeah, this is. Pranel, Pranel, chill. It's just the bonus round. It's oh, just. Oh, oh, the oh bonus it's the round. bonus round. Oh, oh, that's much better. All right, the bonus round is where we play Ooh. covers and remixes <laughs> based on our theme. Um, and then this is a horror themed episode. So, Pranel, do you have a. What did you find? I closed this out on the other half of my topic type. <laughs> so, this is not a scary track. No, believe it or not. In some respects, you could probably take this as like I have a bit of a scaryish sound, depending on. It's your... scary that you chose it, Pranel. There, there it yeah. is. Ooh. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea who remixed this because I came across it while looking doing my thing where I look for remixes of a very specific track in the game, mm-hmm. and um, when I came across this one, there was no indication of who did it. So oh. I'm just going to play it anyway, and if I ever come across who wrote it, I'm going to re- I'm going to redact it. This is a remix to the Wily Stage 1 theme from Mega Man 1. Not 2. 1. And I have no idea who did it. But enjoy it anyway. Alright. Well, I'll do some sleuthing, but I have a feeling I'm probably going to be in the same boat.
Welcome back. You're listening to the a remix, or rather cover, of the Mega Man 1 Wily Fortress 1 stage theme. I have no idea who did this. If I ever find them, I will give them credit. But I still love this so much that I want it on the show. Um, funny enough, like I was originally trying to get, I was going to put the Wily's Fortress 2 on from this show. But when I decided I wanted to play the other tracks more than that, I decided I wanted to look for a cover for this game. Specifically the Wily Fortress. And then I was like, well, this is it. This is the hook. Um, so, what did you think of it? I liked it. It had a very ominous sound to it. Um the the guitar was like really dark and then there's that that horn section in this in the in the center in the middle of the track that was really cool um yes. so why why wiley one for horror music or horror well, game, horror movies or whatever well well children tend to have a penchant for thinking they know more than their parents more so to the point where they disobey them in ways that well i won't say in ways they just disobey over kids um so one day, one particular child got access to a game called Mega Man by a company called Capcom. The cover didn't look particularly interesting, but he was being lo- it was being loaned to him by a friend from down the street and looking urgent, anxiously looking for new games to play that kill time. He decided to take him up on the offer of trade. And when he put the game in the machine, he was invited to a really colorful world where a blue squatty man had a <laughs> arm for a gun for an arm that fired yellow pellets and his job or goal was to take out robot masters that were built in that were built similarly to him in order to eventually gain access to the fortress housing their evil corruptor not so much creator but the mm. corruptor dr wiley which funny enough back when i was playing the game at the time i didn't even know that was coming i was like oh here's a bunch of guys i gotta beat up take them out anyway that youth who was not by any means me um but it was anyway. Um, played the game and played the game and played the game obsessively right up against the TV screen. And his mother, concerned for his well-being, came up and said, "You need to take breaks from that game. Step away from that TV. You're going to hurt yourself." And the young lad had no idea what she was talking about. Hurt yourself from playing video games? Ha! That's why I play video games in the first place to not hurt myself. That's what was said. That was what was believed, and that was the me- the mantra that was followed. Unfortunately, things took a really bizarre and unfortunate turn as the lad reached Dr. Wily's Fortress, Stage 1. Where you see, the game became much more annoying, much more frustrating in the form of big-eye robots who take way too many shots to take out. (laughs) And a particularly frustrating section that required use of the Magnet Beam, which was a weapon that was not really a weapon so much as a utility item that was a hidden item found on the Elect Man stage. But it was a pain in the butt to use properly. So death after death after death occurred. The lad was not hampered in his efforts to attempt to complete the stage, and he kept going at it, going at it, until eventually something unfortunate happened. His head started to nuke in war. His, the temperature of his cranium started to increase as much of a nuked burrito. It was very unpleasant, very unfortunate, even to the point where he got a little, you know, stomach nauseous. He wanted to not too much hold down his dinner. But nonetheless, he persisted. He continued on until he passed out at the game because his head hurt so much he gave out playing Mega Man 1. Did you make yourself sick playing Mega Man? I made myself sick playing Mega Man. <laughs> I almost exaggerated the story and said that like his, the, his brain oozed out the side of his ears. <laughs> no, crap. No, no. But, I, uh, I the, love this. I love this where you just like, you just played this until you got sick. I literally did. And to this day, 
That is a scary lesson learned. <laughs> know your body, drink water while you play games, and those 15-minute breaks they would advise you of on certain games, they were not lies. Yeah, you're probably, just, breaks. You're, you're probably dehydrated pretty badly. You should. You really should. Water check. Water check. Your oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my track is from a Castlevania game. Um, because Castlevania has all of the fun MGM, you know, classic monsters in them all the time. But this is from Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. This is the clock tower music, and it's arranged by our mutual friend, Chris Baines. Oh, this is a good one, too. I've heard it. Yeah, it's good. Clock Tower from Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, arranged by Chris Baines from Chris Baines Music. That is some serious energy in that track. 
Yes, um, it is. When back when he first premiered it, I looped that thing multiple times. It was addictive. So, he is so good at mashing up this sim- symphonic music with this heavy metal, with like the speed and the the drums. Like he's got to be he's he something about his musical brain is tuned into the into the Falcom sound team. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, I very much do. I yeah. jokingly tell him that I still I'm still waiting for the, I said joking, but I'm dead serious actually. Still waiting for the day he does an ease cover. Yeah. Waiting. Or waiting. just or just and composes for an ease game is what he'll what oh, he's Oh god, that'll be that'll be great. Mm. Or even a ease a fan game inspired by ease. I'd be even happy about that. Oh. But like honestly I also want to do vocal sport. I was like, yeah, on the, on the, the man whose forget. name it is Ado. It was, um, it was uh, Otakon 2000 and like 12 or 2013. And it was, uh, what's it? It was him. He was, he was playing guitar with the band. Rare Candy. Yeah, Rare Candy. And he was just, he was like, he was just playing um, lead guitar and around a bunch of guys playing keyboards and drums. And it was just phenomenal. I couldn't, it was just the the atmosphere they created and the energy he brought. It was so good, and um, and then hearing all of his uh, solo stuff is just fantastic. So, um, for more information on our bonus round, go to rhythmandpixels.com. and for uh, more music from Chris Baines, go to chrisbainesmusic.com or look him up on YouTube for Chris Baines Music. He will melt your face. Help, help you're going to love it right off. Thanks for joining us on Rhythm and Pixels, episode 25-3. This is our look at fear and horror and scary ghosty things. And listen to what your parents tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love how, like, there was an idea for a future episode on, like, lessons learned from games. Which isn't quite what these things were that I chose today. But they still, in their own right, ended up being like lessons I learned, <laughs> not because of the game, but just around games. <laughs> and like honestly, it even this one, this is also a lesson in of itself, even though it's a like goofy one. And it's not a major story so much as just a statement of always make sure your card is clear before you leave the eShop. Else you might find yourself buying a game that you were going to buy on sale, but then you retracted at the last minute, only now at full price because you bought it accidentally while you were anxiously and excitedly buying the game that you actually wanted at release that week. And now you pay full price for Double Dragon 4. A game you didn't even want to buy for 10. Let that be a lesson uh, to everybody. Clear your cards. <laughs> oh man! Well, um, let's uh, let, let's wrap up here because um, we need to, to get rolling. But uh, um, yeah, do you have any any other shout outs you want to you want to get plug? I, I know we got to plug uh, the show you were just on the SML podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, are there any are there any new uh, episodes of blown cartridges out there? I think the most recent one we did was, or unless it's still in the kitty being edited, but uh, Resident Evil, we did an episode on that, mm-hmm. and we did an episode on The Legend of Zelda, both of which were actually very entertaining, I think. Oh, that's cool. So give those a check out. The next one we're going to do is Silent Hill. Oh. So that should be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one then. Um, oh, yeah. 
I think it's funny, the guy, the first thought he had was like, Purdell, play the game too and suffer with me, because I don't think it holds up. I'm like, I don't need to play it to suffer. I already know. I remember the game. I'm moving forward while we're discussing the past. I remember <laughs> enjoying that. Maybe I shouldn't go back and look at that one again. Oh, I enjoyed it very much. It's just one of those games where I feel like, um, honestly, I, think, I personally think I would still enjoy it now, only because I'd go back knowing what it was. It's not me experiencing it for the first time. I'm going back knowing that it's primitive in design in the current day, but I knew it for what it was at the time, which means I can still appreciate it for what it was at the time. So, I don't see a problem with it, but I just thought it was funny to tell him, like, well, I don't need to go back and play it. I have already experienced it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, if, on the uh, other hand, can suffer. If, uh, if you're listening to the show and you want to appreciate what we are for this time... <laughs> Uh, let us know. Uh, send us an email. Like, if you have like a, 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 a track top, a track suggestion, or a topic suggestion, or if you're an artist yourself, a remix artist, we would love to hear from you. Please send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. If you want more information about our show, a full track listing from all of our episodes, and access to all of our episodes and all the other stuff that we're doing, go to our website. Rhythmandpixels.com. And to uh, other ways to get in touch with us is through uh, all the social media places. So Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, it's Rhythm and Pixels. On Facebook, we have a group called Rhythm and Pixels Chat. Um, that's really cool. We also have a Discord server. The link is on our website. Uh, it's just a Rhythm and Pixels Discord server where there's just a couple channels of us chatting about the show, stuff we talked about on the show, and just other you know random stuff, games and things like that. Uh, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And we have a radio station. It's a 24-7 live stream station of 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts. Um, I think there was some, some edit or something. Uh, someone pointed out that some of the little commercials that we have on there are just doubled up or something. Put out your hands in the air. Is everything okay? Yeah, it's fine. I'm just itching. I thought like a little mark on my Oh, okay. I thought you were like raising your hand to like say something. Oh, oh. Like <laughs> carbon monoxide. <laughs> There's um, the true horror. Uh, oh, so uh, and if you'd like to support the show, just tell people about it, or you know, let, let people know about it in, in whatever groups that you're in, or or um, if you're in school and you're on a Zoom call, just you know, just just play the show and then leave the room and then make everyone listen to it. Um, you can also go to Patreon.com/slash Rhythm and Pixels and you can help us out there. Um, there you get access to a prequel episode every week. You get access to um, a live streamed recording of an episode every month. That's at every level. And there's also um, cool things you can access on a radio station. You can leave little messages as little promos and commercials on our radio station. And at specific levels, we'd like to thank uh, our Patreon members. Uh, Frankly Zappa, That Nick Walker, The Last Regan, Mike Myers, Matt's Tapper Holmquist, Michael Jennings, Davey Cakes, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Sonic Medley, Taco, Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Selkova, Andreas Milberg, Dan Loughton, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Schenstrom, Bobby Arson from One Up Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos from the Heroes 3 Cup, the Heroes 3 Podcast, Kung Fu Carlito, and Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version VGM Podcast. I hope you're doing well. And Brian Pitt. So thank you all very, very much for your continued support of our little podcast. Um, And next week is another horror-themed show, but it's all music from our listeners, and it's going to be live-streamed for our Patreon members. Very excited about that. I'm actually looking at a list of topics here, and I'm wondering if we even did any of these yet. Like, I had, um, so 
I'm just going to read them just because it's funny. To are, are you looking at the doc, or do you have like written down like in your room somewhere? Written on a piece of paper that oh. I just found while cleaning. Oh, that's funny. So, Final Fantasies, because we never did a Final Fantasy episode. Okay, yeah, that's um, true. Oops, all tangents, which we still have to do. <laughs> oops, all tangents. <laughs> we have, um, we have Arrangements. One uh, yeah, we have one that's called First Plays. So, tracks picked from yeah. games that we've only played the first time. Mm-hmm. Arrangements, also our game set. I think actually the last Reeking suggested that one. Mm-hmm. That's some recent, not too long ago. Well, I'd say a ways back, but he uh, suggested it. Here's one. Uh, too Many Mechs. <laughs> oh, Too Many Mechs. I could get down with that. Oh, this is a good one. I think um, we should do this one for sure. Uh, Sega Channel Games. Oh, that would be great. Honestly, it's going to be funny. They're like, oh, these are the games I played. The ones I couldn't afford, but I loved having access to on there. Uh, we also have a, a crossover coming up uh, with KVGM Radio, which we have to do soon, uh, which is Buddy Cop Anthems. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm ready for that. Uh, Chris, Murray, Chris Murray would like uh, wine pairings with games. So that would be, I think that should be a live stream show where you that's and I need practice pair too. wine with music. Honestly, that's going to be a toughie, but it's worth trying. I'm going to have to go out and buy wine specifically yeah. for the episode to test wine. And then one, I don't know what it means, but I wrote it down. It's called Unexpected Multiplayer. Unexpected Multiplayer. We have to figure that one out. I just I just wrote things down, and then they're just here. <laughs> was that like an idea you came out with, or was something someone no, said? No, I'm sure, I'm sure you said something like that. We were like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then we, like, we sobered up the next day. <laughs> The only other ones I got written down here is like retries, mass <laughs> transit, and then like three oh, yeah, Simpsons words yeah. that would make interesting episodes like Yoink, Cromulent, and then Biggin. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks to everyone on Patreon for supporting the show. Um, you can also support the show by going to rhythmandpixels.com slash merch. We have some uh, Rhythm and Pixels gear. You can get a, uh, a logo t-shirt. We have a t-shirt with... Um, with uh, uh, it says Run VGM and the classic Run DMC logo, which is my favorite shirt. It looks really I love cool. This shirt. Um, the little logos on the back, but on the front, it's Run Run VGM. It's awesome. And we also have a uh, lobster racing T-shirt, which is crazy. So um, go check that out as well if, if you're interested. If not, just check out the logos. I think I'm really proud of how they turned out. Um, but that's it. So yeah, <laughs> check us out next week for another horror themed show to to close out October. So thanks for listening. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a safe week. And remember, all I got to say really this evening is cherish your your loved ones, cherish your families, hold them tight, and appreciate the time you've got with them. Just appreciate your family. Because if you have one, be thankful for it. (laughs) They're not particularly easy to come by as easy as you'd expect. So cherish what you got. It's awesome. And also, drink hop leaf tea. It's delicious. Or oh, yeah, the hop lark tea. Yeah, yeah, sponsorship there. That's what we need. I wish. Uh, cases of that stuff for free would be glorious.